Awesome. Hey, it's good to be here this morning. Like Matt said, my name is Josh Stumiller. Um, we planted, or planting, or have planted, um, Infusion San Marcos. And some of you might not even be aware of that. You're like, there's another Infusion? Yes. We meet at our house. Um, there's uh, just a few of us, a handful of us. We've had quite the journey over the past few years, um, you know, reaching out to our neighbors, um, sharing the gospel with people who don't know Jesus, people coming to know Jesus, launching a church, having everything stolen uh, out of a trailer, took the whole trailer itself, it's gone, moving back to our house, people moving away, and now we hit the restart button. It's quite the journey. But you know what? Through all that, Jesus Christ is faithful. He is. You guys are a blessing to me. Really are. It's, um, it's a blessing to be here this morning. And um, sorry for wussing out on you guys this morning. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it sure is. It sure is. And this, um, this passage that Matt read is something that, that I hold on to. I hold on to, and as believers, we should all hold on to these words that Peter is encouraging the church. He's encouraging the church because they're going through a difficult time, and um, I know a lot of you go through difficult times each and every day, whether you're on mission or just trying to live out life, trying to get your marriage to work out, to, to get some sense into your kids, this passage helps us. This passage gives us encouragement. This passage gives us direction. And that's what Peter is trying to do. He's trying to convey this message of who you are. Who you are as the people of God, as the children of God. This is something that is indicative of us. This is the level playing field. This is our foundation. He says, but you, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. Every morning that gives me strength. Every morning that gives me hope that I am Jesus' possession. He has me. God has me in his family. I'm a part of him. And he says that you're a chosen race. I remember back, um, it's weird, I, I remember it vividly back in junior high. I don't know if you guys remember your junior high days. Awkward. You know, um, you're trying to learn who you are as a person, and there I am at PE, right? You, we had this white and gray outfit. It was just horrible and like, just dirty and stinky. And they're playing basketball, and you have the team captains over there, and you have the rest of the class over here, and they're picking teams. And I don't know about you, but you always want to be on the best team and you want to be the first one chosen. And they're picking people. 
I'll take this, and I'll take you, and I'll take you. And there I am, one of the last people to be chosen, you know. And I'm just like, oh, right, oh. But you know what? That's something that all of us have a desire to be, is to be chosen. All of us have a desire to be picked, to have some sort of significance. There is something innate inside of us that we know that, hey, we want to be a part of something. We want to be a part of something that is greater than ourselves. There's something innate inside of us. We all want to live a life of significance, of purpose. We all want to be a part of something that has meaning. And in this passage, Peter says, yes, your life has purpose. Your life has meaning. In fact, you're a chosen people. I've chosen you. I've chosen you over somebody else. I said, I'm bringing you into my family. I'm bringing you in. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. You see, we want to be a part of a community. We want to be a part of something that is more than ourselves because we are created in the image of God. We are created in God's image from the very foundation, from the very beginning. He created man in his image. In God's image, he created us. And he says, I'm bringing you together. The reason why is because God is a community. God is a community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, together one. And because we are created in his image, therefore, we have this desire to be a part of something great. To be a part of a community. And we are a people for his purpose, to display and to declare the goodness of God. Peter goes on, he says, that you, mo pro that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The book of Mark is all about Jesus Christ coming to this earth. And when you read through the book of Mark, it tells us something that, um, that's very specific to Mark. And, and what it is is that Jesus Christ has come into a kingdom of darkness, crushing this kingdom of darkness, putting this wedge in the kingdom of darkness, and bringing in this kingdom of light. And he says, you're a part of that. You're a part of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, coming into this kingdom of darkness, breaking through and initiating this kingdom of light. And we're a part of that here and we're a part of that now. And he says that I've chosen you to be a part of this new kingdom on this earth. And it's going to spread and it's going to grow and it's going to magnify Christ. It's going to magnify Jesus. And he says that I have you a part of this display. Your life is going to be this display. And how you live your life here and now reflects through all eternity. You see, a lot of times 
at least when I, w- when I was growing up, uh, I, I grew up in the church, um, a nominal Christian, going to Sunday school here and there, sitting in a church pew, checking off that box, going, okay, I should be good, right? Jesus, I showed up, right? And so when, when I die, I'll, I'll come in. I checked off that box. And really, it's uh, you know, just looking for something in the future, something that has no relevance to my life today except for I know I'm good once I'm, once I'm done here. Instead, the Gospels. This passage here says, no, 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 no. Your relationship with Jesus affects the way you live today, has relevance for your daily life. When you go to work, when you go to school, when you hang out with your neighbors, when you hang out with your family members, your relationship with Jesus has a direct correlation to that. How? This passage shows us this. is because we're a display people. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. In verse 12... It says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak of you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You know, I love, um, I love our worship team up here. Josh just encourages me every time um, I, I listen to him play and, and we worship together. Uh, always encouraged. In this passage, this passage says that he's not the only worship leader. It says that we're all worship leaders. You're a worship leader. You're a leader of worship. And your life is that leading. The way you live your life is a life that leads to worship. You become most like what you worship. You become just like it. Your life becomes a display of what you worship. And our lives lead people in the direction of what we worship. You see, worship isn't just songs. It's a life. Our lives are worship. In the same book of Peter, chapter 3, verse 15, Peter continues to talk about this life. He says, But in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord and holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. You see, your life is on display. People are looking at your life. They're seeing you. And your life should be led in such a way that it causes questions. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why? What happened here? What's going on? Why are you saying this? Why are you doing this? Is there something that is happening in your life that's not happening in my life? I need to ask this question because there's something different. What is going on? Four years ago, when we moved down uh, from Riverside to San Marcos, um, 
I made a commitment. I made a commitment to my neighborhood. I made a commitment to my community that, um, that I will be outward focused. I would be focused on them. One of the things is when we first moved into our neighborhood, um, uh, my, my father-in-law was driving the U-Haul truck and ran over the sign that said, Caution Kids, um, <laughs> while the kids were playing. Um, great icebreaker. It's a great icebreaker. Hey, we're your new neighbors. You know, <laughs> good to meet you. <laughs> um, and from then on out, we made a commitment to love our neighbors, to pray for them, and to make an impact on them. And what we did was we went around and we met them as soon as they were out there. I mean, I would be focused on my mailbox. When somebody else was out there, I'm going to go check the mail, you know, because that was an opportunity to meet them. I met them, said, hey, okay, where do you live? Okay, right there. And it might be a little stalker, but I had a, a, a Google map of my neighborhood, and I wrote their name on the Google map, and I put it in my notebook and so that I can remember what their name is, remember what their kids' names are, and then I can pray for them. And then within a few short months, I became the guy who knew everybody. And these guys have lived there for 10, 15 years, and they didn't know their neighbors. But they can come to Josh and they go, oh, what was their name? Oh, yeah, that's right, Steve. Oh, that's right. And became outward focused. And then we began to gather them together. Gather them together for, you know, for the good of the community. For the good of the community. We would hold neighborhood uh, clothes and, and, and food drives uh, for, uh, for needy kids. Uh, we would um, ask the neighborhood to, to come together with our faith community um, to, to do something that's, uh, that's impactful on the community. And one of the things that they would ask is, why would you do this? Why, why would you hold this? I mean, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of effort. It takes some finances. Why would you do something like this? And it begs the question, why? See, God wants our lives to be on display. He's called us to live a life like Jesus so that we have an opportunity to talk about Jesus. You see, Jesus has clothed me in righteousness, and therefore we want to clothe those who need it. Jesus has fed me with his word, so we want to, we want to feed people who are hungry. God was generous towards us. We didn't deserve his generosity, but yet he was generous towards us. So we are generous to others. Our lives are to lead people to beg the question, what's going on? To give a reason for the hope that we have inside of us. Our lives are to beg that question. And you see, you can't do this on your own. You can't do this on your own. You know, some of these stories might be inspiring. You're like, yeah, well, you know, get the neighborhood together, get to know new people, bring people together who don't know Jesus with people who do know Jesus and have a barbecue together. But you know what? We can't do it on our own. In Colossians, Colossians chapter 3,
the Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Colossae. And he says, If then you have been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things of earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, so also will you appear with him in glory. You see, it is the same power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, gives us the strength, give us the ability to do this. We can't white knuckle this, otherwise we'll just go crazy. I mean, our lives are busy. Our lives are busy, our lives are crazy. We can't do this on our own. I mean, I have three kids, a two-year-old daughter, I have a wife, we got ministry, we got work. How can we reach our neighborhood? How can we reach our neighbors, reach our coworkers for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom? It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead also raised you up out of darkness and into this marvelous light. Trusting and relying solely on Christ. I can't do this. My wife can't do this. Matt can't do this. Tom and and Matt and the elders, they can't do it. It's only through the Spirit of God. Only through the Spirit of God. Living out our lives for the sake of the gospel. You see, whatever God has done to you, in you, and for you, he wants to do through you. Think about those things that Jesus has done for you. Has he forgiven you? Absolutely. He's called you to forgive. Oh, dang. Has Jesus reconciled you to himself? Absolutely. He's called you to reconcile. Reconcile with that family member, with that coworker. Reconcile with that, with that person maybe in your faith community. They rubbed you the wrong way. Reconciliation. You see, we're a part of something new. We're part of a new kingdom. A kingdom that reflects the king. See, everything that we do, we do because Jesus has already done it for us. Years ago, um, uh, living up in Riverside, we had, uh, we, had a, we had a couple extra rooms in our home. And, um, uh, you know, so there were some, some people who were in need and, um, you know, bringing in families to live with us. Um, you know, and it begs the question, why would you open up your home like that? I mean, put that, put that strain on your family. I mean, it wasn't easy. It's not easy having an entire family living with you. Not at all. And it was a struggle. We probably did it wrong. I mean, we probably weren't like the greatest examples and like, yeah, this is for the kingdom. It's just kind of like, no, we should be doing this. And, you know, and it's only through the strength and the power of the spirit that we got through it. One of the things that's really impacted my life is a, is a story of a, of a man who, um, uh, who, who came into our, our church plant um, a while back and um, kind of kept to himself for a little bit, um, going through some tough family situations, 
little jaded from the church. Um, and he came in every now and then. And uh, one day he started coming to, to our crowded house. And the gospel started to impact his life. Started changing his life. In fact, flipped his life upside down. Had a new perspective as to what faith is. And a few Sundays ago, he, he came in, because we're, we're having church at our house. He came in and, and he said, uh, Josh, i got to tell you this. Um, there's this. There's this elderly lady with her son that kind of walks around their neighborhood with a shopping cart. And um, he was outside shooting hoops with his, with his son. And she was walking by and, um, you know, he just thinking about the stories that we're sharing with each other and saying, hey, reach out to your neighbors, reach out to people who don't know Jesus. And so he just happened to just go, hey, how's it going? And struck up a conversation. And um, from the appearance of them, uh, he thought that, that they were homeless. And um, living in Encinitas, you know, he didn't think that they would be um, in the neighborhood, but she was like, yeah, I just live right around the corner. And he kind of, you know, was taken back by that, living in Encinitas, living around the corner, kind of disheveled. Um, but um, they parted ways. He said, hey, if you need anything, just let me know. Just let me know. A little time passed. A couple weeks later, there's a knock at his door. And uh, there's that lady his son answered the door and said, oh, my, my dad's not here, but, you know, I'll let him know that you came by. And um, so a couple days later, he was told his son, hey, let's, let's go drive around the neighborhood, see if we can find him, see if we can find him. And so they were driving around, and um, he was like, well, let's just go up to some random door and just see if they knew him, because you can't miss these two. So he knocked on the door, guy answered the door, oh, yeah, I know who they are, they just live right across the street. So he goes over, knocks on the door. She looks through the blinds, saw that it was him, opens the door, and is like, what's going on? He says, yeah, you knocked on my door and said you need some help. And she goes, yeah, we're going to lose our house. He's like, well, what can I do? He's like, well, we need, to pay our we need to pay our property tax. I said, come on, let's go to the bank. Cleared out his bank account. pay for her property tax. Why? Why would you do that? What on earth would possess you to do something like that to a stranger? Because I was a stranger. I was a stranger in a foreign land. And God has called me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. God was generous towards me. He gave me everything. He gave me his son. See, this is the gospel on display. Jesus Christ did something in his life, completely changed his life. Did it hurt? It sure did. It wasn't easy. But you know what? He reflected his Lord. He reflected his King. That's who he is. I am a son of Jesus Christ. And this man's son saw this whole thing transpire flipped his world upside down. This is what it means to be a Christian? Is that your life displays the gospel? This is real? 
This is something that's real. This is something that's happening. Our lives are reflecting this kingdom, this kingdom of reconciliation, this kingdom of generosity, this kingdom of love and forgiveness. This is how we are to live our lives. Whatever God has done in you and to you and for you, he wants to do through you. You see, there's something that's going on right now in my life that God is saying, you're a part of this kingdom of reconciliation. You see, as we're reaching out to our neighbors and loving our neighbors and developing relationship with our neighbors, I have an opportunity to, um, um, uh, to give one of my neighbors a, a, a job, a, a decent job, a really good one. And, um, you know, he's not a believer. He, uh, he, he doesn't know Jesus. And this was one way of me just uh, being able to, uh, to provide and to, to, to share the love of Jesus by, by giving him a job. And um, a few months passed, and it, it just went south. You know, it just wasn't the right guy for the job. Couldn't do it. I had faith in him. I gave him the tools, and it, it, and it just went south. And, and we had to part ways uh, employment-wise. And, um, and, and he departed, and he departed bad. I mean, just, you know, the bus was coming and just threw me right under it. And, and, and it hurt. There, there was a lot, of, a lot of nasty words that were spoken. This is something that I'm going through now. I want to reconcile with him. I'm praying. I'm like, God, bring him back. Bring him back. I want to I rebuild this friendship. I want to be a... Want to be a part of that ministry of reconciliation. And that would be one thing that I would ask you guys to pray for me, is that I would reconcile with him. You see, my life is just as real as yours. Matt's life is just as real as yours. And you know what? The kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's in the dirt. It's in, it's in the mess. And, and he's, it's, it's in the darkness. And he's going to raise us up out of it. We are part of this life. This ministry of reconciliation. We're a kingdom people. Kingdom that rebuilds. Kingdom that restores. Kingdom that forgives. And this is the life that we lead. This is the life that God has called us to. This is the life that we have been chosen for. This ministry of reconciliation, this gospel, this kingdom. I want to leave you guys with these three questions, and then we'll pray. What does the Father's love look like? What does it look like? And how would we display that love to each other and to others? And secondly, what does God's reconciliation look like? What has he done to reconcile us to himself? And how can we commit ourselves to be a people of reconciliation? And thirdly, what does the kingdom of God look like? And how do we express... How do we express this kingdom in places that he sends us to? What does Jesus' rule and reign look like? You see, it's no accident that you're here. It's no accident that you're here at Infusion. It's no accident that you live in the home that you live in and the neighborhood that you live in. 
Acts chapter 17. It says that God has ordained the places of our dwellings and the allotted period of time that we live there. It's no accident. God has called you on mission for the people at your work, in your neighborhood, in your church, and in your family. It's no accident. Will you guys pray with me?